Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. Welcome to Quebecor Inc.'s conference call. I would like to introduce Hugues Simon, Chief Financial Officer of Quebecor Inc. Please go ahead. Good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this Quebecor conference call. My name is Hugues Simard. I'm the CFO. And joining me to discuss our financial and operating results for the fourth quarter and the full year 2020 are Pierre-Carl Pelado, our President and Chief Executive Officer, and Jean-François Pruneau, President and CEO of Videotron. You will be able to listen to this conference call on tape until May 26th of this year by dialing 877-293-8133, access code 48006- and playback access code the same 48006- this information is also available on Quebecor's website at www.quebecor.com. I also want to inform you that certain statements made on this call today may be considered forward-looking, and we would refer you to the risk factors outlined in today's press release and reports filed by the corporation with regulatory authorities. Let's now start with our CEO, Pierre Calpedado. Merci, Hugues, and uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, we're together today to review the fourth quarter and the full year 2020. So uh, responding to the two waves of uh, COVID-19 pandemic, which um, first uh, took us by surprise, uh, we quickly adopted a prudent, diligent, and disciplined approach to manage the varying impacts on our different businesses and resiliently continue to deliver comparatively superior results and performance, fulfilling our mission to keep Quebecers well-connected, informed, and entertained. Reviewing our financial results for the last quarter and the year, we demonstrated our resilience and our prudent cash flow management in all our businesses' segments. We generated more than $345 million in cash flow from operation in the fourth quarter, up 33%, and $1.3 billion for the 2020 year, an increase of $168 million, or 15%. In light of these results, and following our plan to gradually increase dividends to represent 30 to 50% of our net free cash flows, I'm happy to report that Quebecor's Board of Directors declare yesterday a quarterly dividend of 27.5 cents per share on both Class A and Class B shares, up from 20 cents, a 38% increase. Turning to operational matters and starting with telecom, Didotron managed to successfully navigate the highly competitive and promotional last few months of the year to maintain its market-leading market shares of gross wireless ads and a very strong growth in broadband subscribers, underlining, once again, our ability to compete against our main competitors as well as the resellers based on our superior products and unparalleled 
customer experience. Fifth, continue to fuel our wireless growth, both in wireless and wireline, where, along with Elix, which reached more than 677,000 internet and video subscribers in just over a year, it decisively confirmed Videotron as the leader in telecom services in Quebec. The impact of the pandemic was, of course, much heavier on our media segment, with a significant slowdown in advertising revenues across platform, but also a reduction in programming, content, and production costs, the postponement of content and sports rights, as well as the receipt of government wage subsidies, which all in all carried down to a net improvement of our media profitability. Our sports and entertainment segment was obviously, and unfortunately, for all intents and purposes, idle for the last quarter and for most of the year, but is working hard at planning the restart as much as we can and ensuring that we're ready as soon as events are once again allowed. On the regulatory front, we just learned this morning that the Supreme Court of Canada will not hear our appeal regarding the CRTC's decision on Internet wholesale rates. While we're disappointed with the court's decision, it does not change the fact that the CRTC must review its, 19, sorry, its 2019 order and provide cable carriers with reasonable and fair rates as we are the ones investing heavily in telecom infrastructures, which, among other things, allow the deployment of high-speed Internet in underserved areas. We're also awaiting the CRTC decision regarding MVNOs, as well as some form of action with respect to the CBC Radio-Canada predatory behaviors in advertising rates and content acquisitions. Speaking of anti-competitive practices, it would be remiss not to point out, once again, that our main competitors continue to block competition by, among other things, unduly delaying access to telecom infrastructures. With our growing list of allies, including many small regional competitors who are struggling to expand their networks, we are asking for quick action on this front. Bell said on Tuesday that the issue has been solved. From our perspective, this is once again just public posturing because we're far from seeing significant progress in the field. Let me be clear. We always have been vocal advocates of competition as long as it is fair, equitable, and beneficial to all stakeholders which is exactly what we did in wireless in Quebec, as confirmed by the recent ICED report on wireless prices, which shows that Quebec is the only province in the country to have achieved the target of 25% price reduction set by the federal government. We will continue to offer better pricing, better products, and continue to deliver good profitability because our hands-on management, our clear vision, our proven business model, and our unparalleled desire to win. I will now let you review our consolidated 
financial results. Merci, Pierre-Carl. For the fourth quarter, Quebecor's revenues were up 1% to $1.1 billion, and revenues from our telecom segment grew 4% to $941 million. Quebecor's EBITDA was up 7% to $527 million. Our telecom segment recorded EBITDA growth of 4% to 4.82, and our media segment recorded an EBITDA of 46 million for a $10 million favorable variance, mostly due to a significant decrease in costs at TVA Sports from the postponement of the 2020-2021 NHL season to this uh, earlier this year uh, in 2021. We reported a net income attributable to shareholders of $160 million in the quarter, or 64 cents per share, compared with $145 million, or 57 cents per share, reported in the same quarter last year. This increase is mainly explained by the EBITDA improvement. Adjusted income from continuing operations, excluding unusual items and gains or losses on valuation of financial instruments, came in at $165 million, or 66 cents per share, compared to $160 million, or 63 cents per share, reported last year. For the full year, revenues were up 1% to $4.3 billion, and EBITDA was up $73 million, or 4%, to almost $1,953,000,000. Adjusted income from continuing operations, excluding unusual items and gains or losses on valuation of financial instruments, came in at $595 million for the year, or $2.36 per share, compared to $581 million, or $2.27 per share last year. Our cash flow from operations for the year 2020, as Pierre Carl pointed out, increased by $168 million, or 15%, to $1.3 billion, once again demonstrating our resilience and strength of our business model. At the end of the quarter, our net debt-to-EBITDA ratio was 2.68 times, down from 2.91 times reported at the end of the fourth quarter of last year, and the second lowest amongst the uh, telecom uh, peer group in Canada. I would like to point out the success of our recent financing, where Videotron issued $650 million of senior unsecured notes in the Canadian market, yielding 3.125 or 3.18%, which is the lowest, lowest coupon rate in this market. This issuance, in addition to our liquidities of more than $1.9 billion, positions us favorably for the upcoming Spectrum auction and the maturities of our notes, uh, in 20, uh, the, the next ones being 2022 and 2023. In, t- in 2020, we purchased and canceled 6.5 million Class B shares. Since we initiated our normal course issuer bid program 10 years ago, approximately 40.7 million Class B shares have been repurchased and canceled. Finally, as Pierre Cal said, Quebecor's Board of Directors declared yesterday a quarterly dividend of 27.5 cents per share on both classes of shares, representing a 37.5% increase. I will now turn it over to Jean-François to review our telecom segment's operations. Good morning, everyone. As we continue to be confronted with a second lockdown, the health and safety of our employees and customers remain our highest priority. That is why we help customers stay connected with loved ones during the holidays by suspending data caps on all broadband plans. Also, from mid-December to the beginning of February, 
despite the lockdown and the mandatory curfew. While the vast majority of our stores remained open, they were so for essential services only. The balance of our employees continues to work safely from home. This uh, fourth quarter marks the launch of our 5G network, an important milestone in the deployment of this new technology. While the deployment of several new sites will continue throughout 2021, we are confident that this will bring Quebecers closer to one another, enhance the competitiveness of businesses, and support Quebec's economic development. In addition, I'm very proud to highlight that FIS tops Leger 2020 WOW study ranking, offering the best online experience in telecommunications. FIS also figures in the top 10 ranking for best online experience, all sectors combined, far ahead from our competitors. In the quarter, despite softer economic conditions, we posted a solid operating performance with a growth of 43,000 RGUs, essentially doubling last year's performance. In Warline, broadband services grew 27,000 customers, nine times more than last year, and TV declines were 7,000 lower than last year's. To that effect, Helix continues to gain traction and take rates exceed our expectations. We now count more than 678,000 video and broadband subscribers to the platform. Whether it is on gaining new clients or migrating current clients, Helix clearly helps us to mitigate TV declines, increase broadband penetration, upsell services, and bundle packages, and finally, contribute to lower churn rates. In the quarter, we also initiated a Noto install pilot for Helix, and this new option is about to be commercially launched, allowing our customers to get our product more safely, more rapidly, and to be more autonomous. Our Helix platform continues to evolve in order to meet consumer changing needs. For instance, concrete solutions like Helix Instant TV, our app-based TV distribution product, are targeted to, act to address actual consumer trends and preferences while being more flexible and more cost-effective. We also remain committed to delivering the best Wi-Fi technology and performance for our customers and as such, we have just introduced a new Helix gateway based on Wi-Fi 6, providing enhanced coverage as well as higher speeds for connected de uh, devices. Home automation and advanced digital security were also launched during the fourth quarter. Using our Helix Fi app, our customers can manage their Wi-Fi network, connected devices, and smart home equipment such as smart lights, switches, and thermostats. The app also enhances the digital security for Elix customers' Wi-Fi network by protecting it against malicious sites and phishing. In the fourth quarter, we posted a strong performance in wireless services with 29,000 net ads and a growth of 151,000 lines for the full year. Similar to September, year-over-year -year performance for FIS was impacted in October as 2019's performance was boosted by customers rushing in before the previously announced termination of the, of the discount pricing. Furthermore, once again this year, we have witnessed very aggressive Black Friday promotions, mainly from Bell. Finally, and as we observed in the first lockdown, market activity was rather slow in this second lockdown, more specifically during the usually busy holiday season. After saying all this, 
I am particularly pleased to report that once again, we led the market with a 27% share of gross ads for this quarter. Consolidated wireless ABPU for the quarter decreased 2.6% year over year. The loss of overage and roaming revenues explains 75% of the overall decline, while the dilutive impact from a greater BYUD and FIS customer base explains the balance. Videotron Mobile and FIS, however, exhibits respective year-over-year inbound ABPU growth, which bodes well for the future once we have cycled our base. Finally, monthly churn rate came down from 1.4 to 1.2% in the quarter. Despite productions halted for a few months in 2020, Club Edico was able to launch 20 original productions throughout the whole year, seven of them during the last quarter. We are starting off the year with a strong lineup of new programming, featuring several original productions, starring the best Quebec actors, directors, writers, and crews. For instance, today we launched Patrick Sénécal Présent, a first series for the well-known writer. Mid-January, we also launched the documentary Cult Religieux, which is already one of the top, or one of the most, sorry, viewed content on the platform. Finally, our OTT app, had a well-deserved makeover and will now be available across Canada through platforms such as Apple TV and Chromecast. Turning to our fourth quarter financial results, we are proud to report a 4% growth in revenues to $941 million, driven primarily by growth in wireless and broadband services and equipment sales. EBITDA grew a solid 4% and amounted to $482 million. For the full year, we posted revenue growth of 4% to $3.6 billion, and EBITDA amounted to $1.9 billion for a 3% growth. In 2020, we posted a strong free cash flow growth. During the quarter, we generated $317 million in cash flow from operations, $69 million higher than last year. For the full year, we generated $1.3 billion in cash flow from operations for a growth of 13%. Capital expenditures, including acquisitions of intangible assets, amounted to $165 million in the, in the fourth quarter and $596 million for the full year, which was lower than the pandemic-related revised guidance. In 2021, in the context of the continuing build-out of our 5G wireless network, wireless network extensions in rural areas and other strategic projects, we expect to spend between $600 million to $650 in CapEx, excluding the acquisition of wireless spectrum licenses in the upcoming 3,500 MHz spectrum auction. I will now turn it over to Pierre Carl for a conclusion. Merci, Jean-François. So, um, looking ahead to uh, another year impacted significantly by the unpredictability and outside forces, uh, we will maintain our financial discipline, uh, rigorous management, and our focus on delivering superior results in all of our businesses' segments. These times call for assured leadership, and Quebecor is proud to continue to assume its role as Quebec leading corporate citizen, providing unfailing support to our employees, clients, partners, and Quebec population through numerous programs, contributions, measures, and events 
For all Quebecers who live, have been, and are still being made difficult by these unprecedented times. So I thank you for your attention, and we'll now open the lines for questions. Operator? Of course. Um, so we um, already have a few um, uh, participants queued up. Just as a reminder, if you want to ask a question, please press star 1. And the, the first question comes from uh, Jérôme Dubreuil from uh, Desjardins. Please um, go ahead, Jérôme. Oui, merci. Bonne journée, tout le monde. Uh, so, first question, uh, regarding your wireless business in Ottawa, uh, what kind of success are you seeing in this market uh, with the many operators present? And do you expect this market to be a material source of future growth? And second, uh, we've heard from uh, certain peers that there could be a catch-up in terms of uh, working cap uh, contribution in 2021. Do you expect this as well? Thank you. Okay, so I'll start with uh, the Ottawa market. Obviously, in the Ottawa market, we we cannot bundle services. Um, so, you know, when we when we approach, when we do our marketing to to future customers, um, you know, it's it's obviously an obstacle. So we don't we definitely don't have the same kind of success that we have in this market just related to this. Um, and on top of that, as you mentioned, Jérôme, uh, the market is, is definitely more competitive because there are, there are more operators and more brands in that market. So it obviously uh, plays out. As for the, uh, the future, uh, you know, we, we're going to be trying to take a different look at that market. We think it's still, uh, it's still a market that is uh, attractive to us. Um, and obviously don't forget that people are, there are living in, in Getsno you know, they usually work in Ottawa, so it's important that to have a strong network in that uh, in that market, and uh, we'll definitely continue to do so. But we, we will look at uh, creative ways to approach this market because we obviously don't have the same uh, the same tools. Working capital, uh... yeah, working capital. Um, no, we don't expect any uh, any huge uh, any huge swings at the at the beginning of this year. No. Okay, thank you. All right. Um, next question comes from uh, Drew McReynolds from RBC. Please go ahead, uh, Drew. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, good morning. Um, uh, just on the Internet net ads, uh, Jeff, you alluded to obviously being uh, strong and, and up nicely year over year. Um, you know, there's the view out there with BC accelerating fiber uh, that that's going to kind of chip away at a, at a multiple cable codes here. Just would like to get an update on kind of the fiber expansion in your footprint and, and the dynamics there. Um, and then secondly, uh, you know, tying this into Helix, uh, can you drill down a little bit in terms of, you know, how, how Helix is, you know, perhaps um, helping you with, with kind of renewed Internet momentum, if that's the case? Um, and then third, just last one here for you. Um, I, I think we've chatted about this in the past, but when I look at your balance sheet, um, obviously in a better shape relative to most of your peers, um, you know, continue to generate a lot of free cash flow, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the, the, the profile here is very different than it would have been a decade ago. Um, maybe update us on just an investment grade rating uh, desire here, uh, if that is uh, the path forward. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Drew, for the question. Um, with respect to our broadband uh, performance, obviously Helix plays a 
plays a major role. And and don't forget also, you know, Fizz. We've we've launched, uh, you know, a broadband services at Fizz, and obviously Fizz contribute to to this uh, to this success. But but with Helix, what we see currently, um, it's a major uh, it's a major shift in awareness of the of the product. Uh, of the uh, of the awareness of the functionalities and the advantages that we that goes with uh, that go with the product, you know the Wi-Fi experience is much better than uh, than uh, you know our competition, um, and and obviously the Alexfy app where you know on a single app you not only have your Wi-Fi network to manage but you only you also have the the home connected equipment and everything all you know combined in the same uh, in the same app so. It's, those are many functionalities that obviously uh, contribute to our uh, our success in broadband, and and churn is down with Helix. Um, so obviously, when we talk about uh, net growth, it certainly helps on on the net growth side because churn is down when uh, you know when people are using uh, are using uh, Helix. Um, as far as our, our fear, if you if we can call it that way. With respect to fiber, uh, you know, fiber expansion from uh, from our main competitor, you know, there's no market where the overlap is such uh, in Canada. We have the highest overlap market, and you know, in terms of uh, fiber and coax, uh, or HFC, and, uh, and and Quebec is the is you know is the uh, is the most overlap market. So, you know, we our estimate is that uh, Bell has already covered 90% or 85 to 90% of the pop in the, of uh, of the market in terms of uh, in terms of fiber, not necessarily fiber to the home. Uh, you know, I admit probably 65% of that or close to 65% of that is fiber to the home. So it's 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 a very much you know overlap market. So if we are able to have that kind of success, I don't think it's an additional you know five or 10 or 15% of overlap or fiber to the home overlap that will you know be critical to us. Absolutely not. On the uh, yeah, on, on the investment grade uh, question, Drew. Um, as I've said, uh, you know, in the past, you know, our position is that for all intents and purposes, we 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 are investment grades. I mean, the you know the metrics, our metrics uh, are there. Um, not only leverage, but all the other metrics that are looked at very carefully by the rating agencies. Um, you know, and some of the outside um, forces and things, uh, you know, such, such as the regional uh, the, the regional uh, position and uh, some regulatory uncertainty and things like that, we are addressing. And we just feel that um, you know uh, we are investment grade. I, I won't I won't speak for the uh, the rating agencies who obviously need to update uh, uh, themselves on results and things like that. But um, we're working hard with them, and um, it's um, as, as we've said in the past. I mean, we we certainly believe that we're there, and uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see where they come out. Thank you, both. All right. Next, um, we have a question from Jeff Fan from Scotia Bank. Please uh, go ahead, Jeff. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Um, hope everyone's well. Um, I've got a few here. The first one, just on the new features, Jeff, that you talked about regarding your broadband security, et cetera. Um, do you expect or do you assume that these will eventually drive ARPU growth related to your internet as you look further out? Um, and just to clarify, are these features based on the Comcast you know, X1 platform and whether there's any impact on costs or margins 
as you roll these uh, products out. Um, the second question is uh, just on CapEx, the 600 to 650 million for next year or for 2021, what's the implicit assumption there regarding your 5G rollout? Are you going at it in a, in a gradual pace or is there some acceleration through 21? Uh, I wonder if you just give us some color on that because it seems like um, you know, he's one of your competitors is going pretty fast. And then the final question is probably more strategic. Um, when we think about Quebec Core, I mean, in the last decade or so, wireless has driven tremendous amount of growth. Um, your wireline market share and internet continues to pick up. Um, as you kind of look forward the next several years, I mean, where, where are the growth opportunities going forward for Quebec Core? Are we talking about adjacent businesses, adjacent geographies? Wondering if you can just kind of speak to that at a very high level. Thanks. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Jeff. Um, with respect to our to the uh, broadband features, um, yes, uh, you know they all come and, and home connected features, I should say. Well, they all come from the uh, the X1 uh, X1 platform, so Comcast X1, uh, uh, obviously. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of the the, the potential for uh, increasing ARPU, obviously there is potential for for increasing ARPU. But as of now, you know, for us, it's just an, it's, it's it's more a question of Making sure that the Quebecers will adopt, you know, those features will adopt, you know, the, our product. Uh, to us, as as we speak now, it's it's more it's more acting like a churn reduction uh, strategy uh, rather than you know increasing our food. That being said, there's going to be a point, obviously, where adoption is such that uh, there will be ability to uh, to improve our food. And we also have obviously the opportunity to. To pick up some margin on, on equipment, you know, we can obviously sell equipments or own connected equipment throughout our our channels, uh, through our channels. So, um, so that's certainly some potential for you know picking up some uh, some margins there. Um, in terms of uh, 2021 uh, capex guidance, uh, yes, obviously it assumes that uh, you know we are you know continuing on deploying our 5G network. Um, it's going to be, uh, I would say, more heavy. Or heavier this year than it was last year, but our plan is more a, a gradual plan rather than you know going full steam with 5G. Um, you know, to us, you know, we understand that some of our competitors are going more full steam than we are, but you know the use cases are not clear to us yet. Uh, to us uh, yet, so we definitely prefer to be more prudent. It's it's been good for us in the past not to be the first and be being more prudent just on. Uh, on the investment cost, as an example, where you know equipment uh, equipment cost might be going down and whatnot, but uh, we are taking more of a gradual uh, a pace with respect to our 5G investment. On the uh, on your last question with respect to growth, um, uh, Jeff, I mean we um, our position on that. I mean there there still is. Uh, I understand our growth has been has been very strong on wireless, and and um, as you can see, continues to be in wireline. I mean, there still is quite a bit of runway for us in Quebec, and we're focused on that, and we will continue to deliver uh, very strong growth in our mind in, in Quebec because the opportunities are there. That being said, you know, as we've said, uh, we'll also be opportunistic, you know, if, uh, if either regulatory or other events, um, you know, uh, create opportunities for us, then, you know, we'll certainly, uh, we'll certainly look at them and consider them and analyze them. And uh, but at this point, you know, we're we're very much focused on um, on uh, getting and um, the maximum of growth that's still um, that's still allowable to us uh, in our home market. 
I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I should uh, maybe add that, that you were right to mention, you know, that our growth for the last uh, over 10 years have been fueled by the um, – by our wireless business, I remember in 2003, you know, when Fido went, uh, uh, my recollection, I think it was the CCAA, that we would be interested right away. But um, that EBITDA ratio was uh, over seven times, so I guess that it was probably not possible at that time. Uh, but despite the fact uh, of this situation, we thought that the wireless would be the future, and then, therefore, you know, we negotiated a MVNO deal, and... Uh, Afterward, a um, facility base after uh, proper representation in front of the government to be able to get some some set-aside spectrum and build our own network. So today, I guess that probably maybe the opportunities are, are less uh, obvious, uh, but certainly our balance sheet is of, uh, of, of us providing, um, you know, if uh, something is presenting um, of growing our business in our industrial activity, and therefore, you know, we would be in a good position. And don't worry, Quebec will not buy Transat. That's great. Good to hear. Thank you very much. All right. Um, next, we have a question from Matthew Griffiths from uh, Bank of America. Uh, please go ahead, Matthew. All right. Uh, thanks for taking the questions. I just wanted to ask um, or go back to the 5G uh, issue. Um, and should we assume that, uh, you know, given the success you've had with BYOD, um, and that, that still seems to be driving growth for you guys, that, you know, your competitors are going to have to probably be the ones to, you know, seed the market with devices and that your 5G will probably, you know, at least lag by, you know, call it two years. Um, once those 5G devices are in the market and maybe off of, uh, you know, a financing contract. Um, and then, you know, separately, um, I want to touch on margins. Um, it seems like you have, you know, through, uh, you know, Fizz, um, through Helix, um, you know, a lot of uh, levers that you can, you know, potentially uh, drive higher margins. And I was just wondering, you know, how much, you know, how much room do you see for margin growth and how much uh, is going to have to be reinvested uh, back in the business uh, if we look ahead over the next, you know, call it, you know, year or two. Uh, thanks. Okay. Um, with respect to, uh, you know, obviously uh, the 5G plan, and obviously I will not go into specifics because of, uh, you know, competitive uh, issues, but, uh, but, but I think, you know, it's fair to assume that uh, in any new technology, we tend to be more prudent. Uh, you know, our competitors, you know, maybe they have, uh, uh, you know, more leeway. Uh, but, uh, you know, we tend to be more prudent because we want to make sure that when we do the investment that it's going to pay off. Um, so in terms of 5G, you know, we know that uh, the future is 5G. But it's just a question of finding the right use cases at the right time and, you know, uh, investing on the right pace. So assuming that uh, you know, the 5G rollout will be completed later than, than our peers. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's the deployment plan for our peers. But I think you have to assume that, uh, you know, we are prudent in the way that we're making our, our, our investments. Um, and, if, and, if it's, and, and if devices, 5G devices, costs come down or, or equipment, uh, network equipment comes down or whatever, you know, in terms of costs, uh, you know, obviously it's going to be beneficial to us as well. And on top of having the right use cases and the right profitability expected from the investment. 
Um, in terms of margins, um, you know, you, you're right to mention that we have many levers, um, and uh, and you're right to mention that you know there might be uh, other opportunities uh, or potential for improving margin. You know, when we look at our wireless business, we definitely see an improving margin business here. Um, you know, we're getting more and more scale. Our, our market share in Quebec is at about 21% of the home market. So you know we're more scalable than we were in the past, obviously. So that has a benefit to the to the margin. Our FIS uh, uh, business model is a very high margin business model because it's all digital um, and and very autonomous from a customer perspective. So it certainly drives margin expansion on that front as well. So you know I'm still seeing some uh, some potential for margin uh, margin expansion. That being said, um, with with the Comcast business model. We've switched from a capex model, you know, where we were developing everything in-house, to, you know, a, a licensing model where, you know, we incur, uh, you know, costs in the P&L. So that 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 will obviously act as a, a, a counterweight, I would say, to 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 my comments about uh, margin expansion. Uh, I will add on the on the 5G issue is. Um, um, you know, obviously, you know, we can understand that uh, competition can try to posture themselves uh, on, on technology. But what we can say is that, you know, before 5G, there was 4G, uh, LTE, LTE advice, advance, and then before that was 3G. So I guess that what we should say here is that Navidotron always been able, you know, to offer the latest technology, but not only the latest technology. I think it's a matter of balance because you need to offer the good product at the good price with a good service. And this is the experience that we've been providing to our customers, and this is the, the experience that we will continue pro to provide uh, to our customers uh, and basically driving our capacity to continue to grow in terms of RGUs and in terms of profitability. Great. Thank you. All right, uh, next we have a question from uh, Vince Valentini from uh, TD Securities. Please go ahead, Vince. Thanks very much. I want to go back to a couple of points we addressed before. Uh, first off, Pierre Carl, very interesting that you mentioned the FIDO situation from many years ago uh, and your debt leverage at that time uh, precluding you from getting involved. Uh, FIDO was obviously a national wireless carrier with a pretty heavy presence in in uh, BC of of all places. Um, you you were mentioning that. Does that signal that um, if the right opportunity came up, that uh, growth into wireless outside of Quebec would be something you'd consider? Well, certainly, I would think that it's completely premature, you know, to to have conversation or discussion on that because there's no such a thing like you know the capacity to operate in this direction. So um, I guess that you know that that kind of of, uh, of conversations required assumptions that are not met. So I guess that it doesn't work, you know, to talk about it. Okay. Um, on the capex, the. 600 to 650 for this year. Uh, you or Jeff, whoever wants to, can you can you unpack that a bit in terms of the regulatory environment? I think last year you were pretty explicit that you were holding back on some investments until you had some clarity on both the MVNO and I think the the third-party internet files from the CRTC. So does this 600 to 650 still 
uh, have some of that reservation in it that, that you may start increasing your spending once we get certainty on those files. And the second aspect of the CapEx is, I get that you're going gradual on 5G, but um, does, does that mean that, you know, the pace stays the same every year, or could we potentially see a, an uptick in 5G investment in 2022 and beyond versus what, what's in this guidance for 2021? Okay. Uh, with respect to the regulatory uh, assumptions or the assumptions about the, the regulatory environment, you know, uh, on which uh, our CapEx guidance lie, um, I think it's fair to assume that we're working off the same uh, the same assumptions. So the, the the reason why last year we've reduced our capex guidance at the beginning of the year, remember when we we post our first guidance, we talked about the regulatory environment, especially the uncertainty around the regulatory environment, and uh, you know those assumptions I think I think uh, stick uh, you know today. Um, so we've posted the same kind of uh, of prudence. Uh, with respect to uh, our, our capex investments, um, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, the 5G rollout, um, you know, obviously this year 2021 will be heavier than 2020 because 2020 was quite quite light. Um, and is, is it, is, and is it going to be you know constant? Probably not constant. Uh, I think uh, you know our assumptions maybe next year there's a you know an uptick, but it's nothing that would be. Material. It's nothing that we will not necessarily be able to finance through some other projects that are completed. Um, so you know, I, I I wouldn't expect or I wouldn't bet on an increased capex guidance for next year because we're in the middle of this uh, 5G rollout. Okay. Well, that's that's comforting to hear. And maybe I can um, sneak in one or two more operational type questions. Um, you talked about the competitive environment in Black Friday. Um, more recently we've seen some of the stores start to reopen in, in Quebec. And I know when the stores reopened the first time around, like last August, some of your competitors seem to get a bit uh, aggressive with their promotions to try to load up on customers while, while, they, while they could. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Jeff, on the sort of current pricing and promotional environment? Are you seeing any early stages of that type of rational behavior again in, in wireless? Um, well, two things I'm going to say about that. Well, first of all, uh, you know, stores were essentially closed for uh, acquisition of customers, let's put it that way, uh, for the whole month of January. Well, starting in December and, and ending, in fact, on, uh, on February 8th. So the market activity was quite slow. Um, remember, and I told that, uh, you know, last year uh, in, at the beginning of the pandemic, when the market is slow on the wireless side of the business, uh, you know, because we're a net gainer of market share, it's obviously detrimental to us. Um, so for January, you know, you're going to have to expect this to be quite the same. Uh, quite the same. Um, and it's true to admit uh, or to affirm that last year when stores reopened, uh, you know, the operators got crazy. Um, I would not mention, or I would not say that it was, it is right now as crazy as it was before, but I think it's the same kind of, uh, it's the kind, the same kind of reaction that we're quite saying, uh, you know, this year uh, uh, as well. There's very aggressive uh, promotions out, out there. We're not playing, and we don't want to play that game. You know, at a 21% market share right now, we don't think that we have to play that game. 
we, we can still attract customers at the fair price, so we're not chasing customers at, at uh, any price. And I think you can see that from our EBITDA uh, performance. Uh, you know, I think it's quite clear that we're not chasing at any price, um, and we will continue to do so. And, and, and guess what? We still maintain our leading market share in terms of share growth at, even though, you know, we're not we're not chasing you know customers with crazy prices. So I think I think we are on the on the right path to balance uh, between customer acquisitions and uh, and EBITDA growth. Yeah, I would agree. Your your results show a good balance, Jeff. Congratulations on that. One last one on on the internet file. Uh, people have asked a bit about it. Um, broadband, ARPU, uh, and some of the auxiliary services, but I'm not sure we've hit right to the core of it yet. Of your internet subs are up four percent year over year, uh, and your revenue is up three point four percent. So your ARPU is actually slightly negative. Most carriers in North America are seeing the ability to get better broadband ARPU, whether it's actual price increases or it's people moving up to faster tiers. Uh, is this is there some problem here in the market, or is this just a delay, and we hopefully can see some better broadband ARPU traction in 2021? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, in 2020, you know, back in uh, March uh, 2020, you remember that our price increases are, you know, you know, they they take place in, in March of uh, every every year, and last year we have not increased our prices on broadband. So obviously, we don't have that kind of lift. Uh, you know, for the whole for the whole year. Um, so obviously, it uh, it impacts our our EBITDA or our pre growth because we don't we don't have the lift from a you know our usual price increases. This year in 2022 and 2021, we have increases our prices on every uh, every single uh, service or every single product. So you're going to see a price increase on broadband, and obviously, it's going to help. Um, on top of that, don't forget Fizz. Fizz is a, a lower price uh, service uh, because of a different business model. It's still attracting the same kind of margins, but but uh, you know the 100% digital model is a lower cost model, and we can you know offer the service at a lower price. And obviously, as we've experienced and we continue to experience on the uh, on the wireless side, there's going to be some impact from you know our base increasing on Fizz at a lower price. So, you know, that's going to act, again, as a kind of way to our price increases. And I will complete by, by talking about Helix. Rather than positioning Helix as a, I would say, a premium product, I'm not saying it's not a premium product, it is a premium product, but in, in most of the cases with a premium product commands a premium uh, a price, we've decided not to, to use that kind of strategy. For us, it's, it's more like right now, a churn reduction model rather than a you know ARPU growth model. Um, you know uh, the you know Rogers and Shaw. I know that they've used a different strategy when they launched their uh, their X1 based product. Uh, it's not the, the the strategy that we've used. So as people are migrating to Helix, we're not collecting more ARPU because they're migrating. Except if obviously they up, they up, they go on uh, on higher speed services. Uh, but but you know for the product itself. We're not commanding a higher price, so we've decided to be more accessible with respect to that product, to accelerate adoption of the product, to accelerate churn reduction, uh, you know, to our uh, TV and uh, and uh, broadband services, and I think it's it's, it's it shows off in uh, in our results. No, nope, that's great. And just just to level set everybody on the call, 
the rate increases you talked about, are, are these going through in, in March? And is, is there any dollar amounts that you can talk to yet? Uh, it's uh, March 1st, um, and uh, I would say it's about uh, 4%. Thank you. All right, uh, next up, we have a question from David McFadgen from Cormark Securities. Uh, please go ahead, David. Um, yeah, a couple of questions, if I may. Um, usually, you give us an indication of the wireless EBITDA growth year over year in the quarter. I was wondering if you could do that. Um, secondly, uh, you know, I know your share of growth ads is still quite strong at 27%. It's down a little bit from where it was the previous two quarters. I'm just wondering, is that more a factor of the Helix pricing going up, uh, not Helix, um, Fizz pricing going up, or is it uh, just more increased uh, competitive intensity? And then lastly, just on the dividend, um, so it looks like you're going to be about, for 2021 anyways, based on my model, you're going to be about in the midpoint of your target range of the 30 to 50%. So, just wondering, you know, looking out to 2022 and beyond, would EBITDA growth sort of be in the five to ten percent range, or uh, sorry, would the dividend growth be in the five to ten percent range, or track EBITDA growth? Thanks. Okay, with respect to uh, wireless uh, margin growth or EBITDA growth, I should say, um, that's about, that was about 20 percent in the quarter, uh, David. Um, okay. With respect to your 27% share of growth ads, which is lower than what we've exhibited in Q2 and Q3, you're right, it's lower. But if you look at our past years or last year or past year's experience, Q4 is usually lower in terms of share of growth ads because it's a very heavy promotional period, um, and we're trying to be disciplined in the way that we act uh, on, on that front. So it's usually lower, and if you combine that with you know, the month of October has been worse this year for Fizz because of last year's, uh, you know, uh, people or, or customers rushing in because of the price increase that was uh, due at the end of October. Um, and you combine that with the COVID, um, you know, I, I would say that explains uh, why we get a, you know, a lower share of growth at this quarter. On the, on the dividend side, uh, David, um, as you know, you know the board of directors uh, are responsible for is responsible for uh, having uh, you know the the decision. So we cannot you know uh, override I would say you know, the board. Uh, this is why you know a policy was uh, was mentioned or was disclosed, um, which we will continue to to apply. You know, certainly, you know there's recommendations, but my my lecture of um, of the board is uh, it's a board uh, which will always uh, follow prudent perspective um, and balanced perspective so obviously there's uh, there's uh, an attention for for the shareholders but also there's a significant attention from what you've been seeing you know for the last uh, two decades at least you know and we would like to continue to grow the company. So we need to have a proper a balance sheet that will be able to provide growth and, at the same time, balance to a, a, uh, an appropriate return to our shareholders. Okay. All right. Thank you. I think that we have the last question, operator, from, from um, Adam. Two, two other ones. There's another one. Adam, yeah. yeah. Yes, Please. indeed. 
Yep. Uh, last question. The queue comes from Adam Schein from uh, National Bank Financial. Uh, maybe on the uh, just a I second. thought Tim Casey yes. would, would have a question. <clears throat> okay, thanks. Thanks a lot. Okay, two quick, Hi, quick questions. Hi there. Two quick questions for Jeff. Um, one, just maybe a little color as to any traction finally in the Abitibi market, which was an area that you really were trying to, you know, finally penetrate. And uh, the second one, you know, if indeed wireless EBITDA growth is 20%, uh, it, it sort of looks like the rest of telecom um, actually reverted back to positive growth. And I think you touched earlier in one of the questions on, you know, some some platforms like Fizz uh, Internet, which provides some, some lift in Internet uh, savings. But can you also talk about any other savings uh, in terms of maybe benefits from digitization or evolving restructuring efforts that continue to uh, perhaps uh, re-engage on margin expansion in the non-wireless side of the business. Thanks. Okay. Well, in terms of uh, the the uh, ABTB uh, market, uh, it's it's a very strong market for us. Um, and, and indeed, um, you know, we when we launched, we it was we were very very successful. And you're probably aware. Uh, I think we've been very vocal prob- publicly that uh, Bell was uh, restraining us with respect to our growth by putting in place uh, some procedures that were. Uh, you know, I would say anti-competitive, um, but but people were waiting for us. You know, and and it wasn't monopoly essentially, uh, in uh, Rouen and Valdal more specifically. So people were waiting for us. They were paying too much for their service. They were not getting the right 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 uh, kind of service that it would be that they were looking for. Um, so it's uh, it's it's very successful. I think, on the top of my mind, I think in the Rouen and uh, and Valdal we probably have a, you know. Three, four thousand subscribers in that uh, in that region, and um, and we also have uh, we also have uh, in Amos where we did the acquisition, um, and Amos in total I believe it's about five thousand subscribers over there. Um, so it's it's a very successful market. We continue to be uh, to be very uh, you know aggressive with respect to uh, to our promotions because people are were looking for us and you know we want to make sure that they know that we're there. Um, so I think uh, I think it's, good, it's still going to continue for for the whole year, for the whole uh, 2021 year. Uh, with respect to wireline uh, margins, um, yes, it's true. It's a combination of a few things, and obviously the platforms. Uh, you know, like uh, like I said earlier in the call on the call, um, but obviously there's also there's always some uh, initiatives that we put in place to you know cut costs here and cut cut there. Uh, some restructurings here, some restructuring there. Digitalization, you're right. Uh, it helps on uh, on, on a few fronts. Um, so uh, I think uh, I, I think that it's a combination of a few factors. There's still some initiatives that we're uh, we are uh, you know working on, um, and uh, and I think it's it's a good sign for the future. And I want to come back, if if I may, um, on the ABTB you know ABTB solution scenario. Um, you know, in Rouen and Valdao, as you know, we're not we're not using our own infrastructure. We're using Bell's infrastructure, and we had some problems with respect to accessing the infrastructure and making sure that we could install customers. Um, even though things are going better than they were in the beginning, in the beginning, we still have a lot, you know a, a few customers in the backlog, um, and it's 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 still a it's still an issue for us. And you know, obviously, want to work with uh, with uh, whoever. To, to make sure that this backlog is reduced very very quickly, but uh, but uh, you know Bell is still 
trying to stop us or at least restrain us. I guess I guess just one very quick last question, Jeff. You know, some people might uh, question some of the strength on internet and wonder, you know, if some of it was coming in terms of uh, reseller uh, market share gains or you know extraction from there. Can you can you maybe just talk to that dynamic just briefly? Well, um, you know, we we it's 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 hard to say, and you know, I, I think it's more a question for them than for us. You know, I don't know. Depending on the decision, what they're going to do. Um, but but so far I can say you know in 2020 at least um, it's pretty clear that the right service the right network it's it's offered by the cable codes not by resellers and I think it, it should be recognized by everyone it is recognized at least by customers it looks like it looks like it um, and I think uh, you know it should it will continue that way that being said I don't know what's going to be CRTC's decision and I definitely don't know what's going to be the TPIs or the resellers uh, reaction to that decision in the market. I think the question was, was more specific to the internet strength in this particular quarter, JF, and whether it was a disproportionate amount of sort of port-ins from resellers as compared to sort of market no. share growth and other opportunities. Yeah. yeah, I understand. And the answer is no. There was no Perfect. disproportionate coming in. Great. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. May I add on the uh, the reseller situation? Uh, I guess that, you know, uh, Francois and I were, were in front of the uh, permanent committee uh, of the uh, industry uh, house of commons this week and you know we we had um, the opportunity to uh, reemphasize the fact that uh, given the situation and uh, that we've been facing in front of the pandemic um, i think it's important to you know to mention the fact that you know the the network were robust enough to be able to face uh, the uh, significant increase in terms of demands and uh, the result of that is that you know the uh, the telecom operators had been you know invested in their network to be able you know to make sure that they, we will face um, a, uh, a in that kind of situation uh, certainly not you know a a lack of um, uh, offer that would make some some problems with our industry with our uh, with our with our customers. Um, so I would say that the proof of the pudding is the eating, and I think that the government had been acknowledging this situation. And yes, again, you know, we've got nothing against the, 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 the resellers, but we need to make sure that you know we'll compete on on equitable and fair grounds. And I, our understanding is that the government right now and the CRTC are in, in the proper mode to understand all this. Uh, which, uh, could, which should be uh, uh, favorable for the continuation of investment in our networks in the future. Great. Thanks for that, Pierre Carl. Do we right. have a, a last question? Yeah, I think it's Tim. Tim, uh, Tim Casey from BMO. That's right. Go ahead. Please go ahead, Tim. Thanks. Thank, thanks for squeezing me in. Just a, a, a couple of uh, wireless KPI questions. Uh, JF, you gave us some churn numbers for Q4. Can you um, could you give us a churn number, remind us what it was in 2019 and, and full year 2020, and what your expectations and assumptions are for um, for 21 as, you know, there'll be some sort of market reopening. And you also talked about the ARPU decline. Um, I think you said 25% was dilution from FIS. And the remainder was roaming and overages. Uh, I, I always thought you were not very exposed to roaming 
maybe if you could unpack that a bit for us and and what you're assuming will happen with market reopening and the impact on ARPU, uh, you know, in the context that certainly, uh, you know, it, it seems that any any recovery is going to be later in the year. And lastly, just quickly on M&A, you did a, a couple of tuck-unders recently, a, a live theater and a music label. Are you still going uh, uh, interested in, in more uh, of those type of assets on the sports and entertainment side? Thanks. Okay, thanks for the question, uh, Tim. Um, in terms of uh, the churn rates, uh, you know, 1.2% in Q4 of 2020 was 1.4% in Q4 of 2019. Uh, for the whole 2020 year, I don't have the number on the top of my head. Uh, let me see. It's, it was 1.1%, you know, obviously um, skewed by by the pandemic. Uh, you know, obviously there was a, you know, when I'm saying that market activity is 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 down because of the pandemic, you know, from a, from a churn perspective, we also benefit from that. Um, but so 1.1% for the whole year. Um, in terms of last year, uh, of next year, you know, I think the trend is uh, is set, and uh, we've been setting the trend, uh, you know, for a few years now. It's it's going down years after years uh, because people are getting more comfortable with our service, uh, you know, the pricing and everything, and you know, we're we're. We're, uh, you know, essentially the right operator for this business model in Quebec. So, um, uh, and and with the bundling of, uh, you know, many many services and put fizz in the mix and all that kind of stuff. So I, you know, I, I'm definitely uh, optimistic about uh, the continuation of this uh, of this decline in terms of in terms of the churn rates. Um, with respect to our pool um, and and the roaming, you're right. You know, if if you compare ourselves to uh, other uh, other operators. Uh, on an absolute dollar basis, we're not talking about the same kind of numbers. Um, but uh, when we talk about ARPU, it's more of a relative basis to our base. Um, so, you know, for us, roaming is, is, is mostly on the commercial side. I mean, on the business-to-business -business side that we are, uh, that, you know, we're, that we're getting hit these days. Um, and obviously, we're, we're, we can't wait for traveling to resume and, you know, business people to go in Toronto and New York and, and Chicago. On the um, audiogram uh, question, Tim, um, yes, we're very happy with the acquisition of, uh, of that label, uh, one of the largest uh, independent, if not the largest independent uh, of, uh, uh, of uh, Quebec-based music um, uh, at this point. Um, you know, and we'll continue uh, to, be, to be on the outlook, uh, as we've done for the past few years, you know, whether it's for... Uh, uh, video content, uh, tuck-in acquisitions, or music, or I mean anything that really feeds our ecosystem, as um, as I'm sure you know, as we've talked about in the past, that feeds our stable of properties and content in all senses of the word, whether it's video, whether it's eventual, uh, whether it's uh, music, and uh, that feeds uh, you know the pipe, the pipe in our various, um, and then gives us a, a, a very strong competitive advantage. Um, in our uh, various uh, distribution platforms. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. I think uh, thank you all. Uh, I guess that we're at the end of, of uh, the list of. Um, so um, thank you for your attention. Thank you for being there, and we'll talk to you next quarter. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes Quebecor's Inc. Uh, financial results for the fourth quarter and full year 2020 conference call. Thank you for your participation and have a nice day.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.